Well, good morning. Uh, Pastor Keith is hanging out with our college and career group this weekend down to Ozarks, so I'm going to continue on in this series. He spent the last two weeks going through the Ten Commandments. Uh, so two weeks ago was the first four, and last week was uh, the last six. And so we're going to continue on, and we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, the verses 1 through 5. So I encourage you to turn there, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm just going to go ahead and read the first few verses here for you. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. If you remember, the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land. So when God first gave his commandments in Exodus 20, they had just come out of Egypt. And now they're about, after wandering the desert for 40 years or so, they're about to cross over into the promised land. So he's rehearsing the Ten Commandments and more law to come. So he says, do it. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. So as we begin to unpack this passage, I actually want to start with verse 5. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. And what's interesting to me about this verse is that it's not a suggestion. It's not a nice saying. It's not something that we're just supposed to hang up on our wall because, oh, that's cute. This is a command. And it's a command to be followed. But you might ask, well, how are you supposed to command someone to love? Right? Because that's not usually how we speak about love. We, we think of romantic movies, and we think of feelings of affection, and we think of hearts and flowers, and we think of husbands and wives and hallmark. Like, that's what love is. And how do you command someone to love? And so if I go home... Or if I signed my Mother's Day card to my wife a couple weeks ago, love, you are forced to love you, husband. If I go home and say, hi, wife, I have to love you today. I don't think she's going to appreciate that. Like, that doesn't quite do it. So, so how, then, is God commanding his people to love them? It doesn't seem to add up because it doesn't seem really authentic. It doesn't seem real. But if we'll understand love as an act of the will, it starts to make a little more sense. Because when Moses commands the people to love God, he's not just talking about their feelings or their emotions, but he would include that. But he's talking about how they choose to live their life. And so to love God here is to align their heart and soul, and strength with God and His purpose. So what does that mean? 
Well, we can spend all day unpacking that, and there's whole sermons, I'm sure, that we could preach on this one verse to give you just a gist of what I think this is getting at. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about our will, our desires, our passions. And he's saying those should be directed towards God. We should love God with all of those things. Then he says, love God with all your soul. And this would include the heart, but I think it it's outworking. It includes everything about you. So not only your heart, but your hands and how you go about and do things and, and how you talk and how you live. It encompasses all of who you are, that our lives would display a constant love for God. And then you go from the heart to the soul, and then it goes to the might. And I think that's taken both of those things and it takes it to the next step and it says whatever power you have or even whatever resources you have you're going to use for God because you love him and so that's one way you could describe those things but the point here is not to figure out well what exactly does it mean to love with the heart and what's that difference between the heart and the soul and the mind and isn't there somewhere it says mind yes But the point in the picture here is one of complete devotion and all-consuming love. And so that sounds great. That's like, yes, Christians, love God with everything you are and everything you have. It should consume you. But what does that really look like practically? How do we live that out? Because if we're honest, we've heard phrases like that. Well, love God with all of your heart. And you're like, yeah, but how? What does that even mean and, and what does that look like? And because if I think about, do I love God with all my heart, all my wills, all my desires, all my emotions? Is it always directed to God? Nope. He's a pastor. Yeah, I'm also human. So what do, what do we do and how do we deal with this? Because this is still a command. I'm commanded to love God in this way with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. How can God expect this of us? He knows that we're inadequate. He knows that we can't do this well. Well, I think the answer is actually probably more simple than you think. And it's summed up in one word. That if you're like me, sometimes we cringe at or shy away from. Here's the word. Obedience. You want to love God with all your heart? soul and might obey it's summed up here obedience this is what moses is describing in those few first few verses of chapter six he says here's the commandments that you may do them verse one verse two fear the lord by keeping all his statutes and his commandments verse three O israel be careful to do them Moses says, obey God, follow his commands. He gave you the commands so that they would be followed and obeyed. Why would I do that? Well, look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Follow his commands because he is the only true God. And when you follow his commands, you demonstrate your love for him. And that's verse 5. You love him with all your heart, soul, and might. 
And so some of you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. We just learned all about the Ten Commandments the past few weeks, and Pastor Keith said, we're not Israel, and we don't have to keep the commandments. And so if I don't have to keep the commandments, and this is Israel, then it doesn't really apply to me because we've got Jesus. And we've got Jesus, so we're not under the law. Here's the thing. It's still the same God. We're also talking about the same faith and the same salvation. And while we know that, hey, the law can't save us, do you know who else the law can't save? Old Testament Israel. law can't save them. In fact, Israel got in trouble because Israel started to look at the law as something that saved them by works instead of a law to be followed by faith. Don't believe me? It's Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 says, But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. So when we realize that, hey, the law in the Old Testament couldn't save anybody any more than the law in the New Testament, then we're left asking the question, well, what's the point of the thing anyway, and how am I supposed to live in light of it? And the best thing that we can do is look to Scripture. Well, then what do I do? Matthew 22. Here's Jesus. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And so here's his response. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So good news, Pastor Keith was right. Here, Jesus summarizes the law. And no, we're not under the law, except for this thing that Jesus does. And he says, but here is the law. Love God, love your neighbor. And if that's not clear enough to you from, from Jesus, Paul says in Romans 13, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So which commandments are you supposed to follow? Yes. All the ones listed there and any other commandment because they're all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to see it again? It's in Galatians 5. Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one law, word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Want to hear someone else say it? James. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. So what does all this mean? And we could look at more and more Scriptures. What does it mean? 
What it means is, I think it is safe to say that we are supposed to follow the commandments. But we're not talking about, let me pull out my Ten Commandment checklist. To the end of the day, I didn't kill anyone today. Check. I didn't steal today. Check. That's not the point of the law. And that's not what Jesus or Paul or James is talking about. Because if you read the New Testament, as you understand the relationship between the law and Jesus and what we're now required to do, the standard actually gets higher. Because we're not under the law of Moses, we're under the law of love. We're called to love God. We're called to love our neighbor. And as we do that, we understand that we're following the commandments. Jesus isn't calling us to the letter of the law, but he's calling us to fulfill the spirit of the law. As we walk through the past two weeks, the spirit of the law, love God, love your neighbor. And we're not talking about just obeying. We're talking about a desire to obey. So then the question that we all should be asking is, well, how do I get that kind of love? Where do I get the desire to follow the commands in love? What do I need to do to be able to fulfill the command, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might? What will not only make me obey, but make me want to obey? And so I'm going to give you a simple suggestion. One word in three parts. If you follow it, if you pursue it, it will keep you busy for the rest of your life. Pursuing the answers to those questions. But it's one word. Before I give you that word, I'm making two assumptions that's important. Number one, I'm assuming you're a believer. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So don't take this one word and my suggestion if you're not a believer. Because if you're not a believer, if you're not in Christ and under Christ, the law is condemning you even now. And I would tell you, right now, submit to Christ. The law will crush you. You have not kept it. There is nothing you can do to gain righteousness. But I'm assuming that if you're wanting to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're a believer. I'm also assuming that you understand that we're not talking about trying to gain or earn, keep the law. It's faith what fuels our desire, right? But I'm also assuming you know, number two, that it's the Spirit who works in you. So I'm not going to give you this one word and say it's all on you. We trust the Spirit to work in us and through us. Like, okay, okay, what's the word? Here's the word. That's not the word. Here's the word. Knowledge. Knowledge. Well, wait a minute. Knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. You're right, it does. So, what do I mean by knowledge? Here's my suggestion to you. Knowledge. This is why I think knowledge is a key. 
You will only love God as much as you know God. You will only love God as much as you know God. You can put it, this, you can put it the opposite way and say, if you don't love God, it's because you don't know God. So what knowledge am I supposed to pursue? What am I supposed to know? So I'm going to give you kind of three basic concepts, truths, ideas that then you can go spend the rest of your life pursuing knowledge about. Three things you should know. Know that he is the one God. Okay. Sounds pretty simplistic, and I agree it is, but it should be stated and it needs to be explored because just as Israel was about to cross into the promised land, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he's not saying, hey, God is your God and and this is the one God that you worship. No, he's saying there is one God and it is God alone. We worship that God. And just as Israel was about to go into the promised land, they were entering an environment with a whole bunch of people that didn't know the one God. They were in a land that they said, you've got to get rid of these people because they've got idols, they're pagans, they worship all kinds of things that isn't the one God. And guess what? We live in a culture that doesn't know that. We live in a culture that doesn't understand that there is one God and they shy away from that and they push against that and they don't... We have to stand on this. There is one God. It is God alone. And we're talking about the same God of Israel, the same God of the church, one God, one faith, one salvation, one spirit. So what are we called to do? We need to know Him, the one God. We pursue Him. We know that He is sovereign, and from that, everything else flows. So that means I have to know His commands. That means I have to know His Word. That means I'm going to have to study it. Yes, I'm going to have to obey it. And guess what? It doesn't say go to Bible college or have a seminary degree. Things didn't exist. No, this is for anyone who wants to love God, follow His commands. You're going to have to get to know Him. This is why here at the chapel we encourage you to grow. Come to Sunday school. Join a home group. Church doesn't do it. Church isn't the only place to know and find God. Find some people to get together with. Here's a novel thought. By yourself, open up the Bible and read it. Spend some time in prayer, in communion with God. And we kind of chuckle like, yeah, really, how often do we do it? How often do we neglect it? And when you neglect God, you don't know God. When you don't know God, you won't love God. But if you love God, you'll know God. If you know God, you'll pursue God. It's all connected. The more we begin to understand and know the one God, the more we understand His Word, the more that we begin to delight in Him. That's what we opened with. Psalm 19. That's Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. As Christians, we are called to know that He is the one God. We must get to know Him. So the more we know and understand that He is the one God, the more we will naturally love Him with all our heart, soul, and might. We also should know that He is for you. 
for me. In the first few verses of Deuteronomy 6, Moses gives some compelling reasons why Israel should follow the commands. I believe verse 5 should be the primary motivator for Israel and the church, for everybody that's a follower of God. Love should be the primary motivator for pursuit of Him and everything we do. But he also gives some bonus things. He says, hey, you follow God's commands, it's going to go well for you. You follow God's commands, you're going to multiply. You follow God's commands, that's what's going to let you thrive in the promised land. And it's the same for us where we need to know the promises of God. And, and when, we, when we start to understand the promises of God, then we can start to appreciate and apply the promises of God. How do I know that God is for you? Romans 8.31 says so. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know what the context of the next verse is? This table. Why is God for us? How do we know that God is for us and no one can stand against us? Verse 32 of Romans 8. Though he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How do I know that God is for us? Because he sent his son to die on a cross for us. Because he made a way for us to be with him even though we could not keep the law perfectly even if we wanted to. Jesus kept the law that we could not and Jesus paid the penalty that we owed. And so as I start to understand that, and as I start to know that, and really start to understand and process through, man, God is for me, the love, the love starts swelling up. And we will naturally love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. And you should know that He is faithful. God's faithful. Remember, Moses is reinforcing the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. Why? They're about to go to the promised land. They're about to see and be part of the promise fulfilled to Abraham. God is faithful. And just as Israel was supposed to trust God, that being the motivation for following of the Ten Commandments, it's the same for us. We know we hold on to His promises. We know that He equips us. Well, how does God equip me? Well, I can give you another 30 verses, but I'll give you a couple. Second Peter, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will. I can tell you right now what the will of God is for your life. You ever wonder what that is? I can tell you right now. Obey. You know how you're supposed to do that? God will equip you with everything good that you may do His will. John 14, Jesus Himself, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. But He doesn't leave it there. He says, but I know you, I know you're humans, I, need, I know you need help. So next verse. Verse 16 of John 14, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's faithful. He's faithful to fulfill his promises and he's faithful to equip us to do whatever he has called us to do in whatever capacity he has called us to do it. And when we know that truth, we will naturally love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. Know that He is the one God. Know that He is for you. Know that He is faithful. But before we end, let's just be honest for a second. Okay? Is your primary motivation 100% of the time your just overwhelming sense of love for God? I mean, maybe it's just me, but that's not me. You know what motivates me sometimes? Like, I need a job, and if I have some big moral failure, I'm going to get fired. What am I going to do? i got to show up. i got to show up to church. You know what, i got to show up to church because it's my job. Um, you know what, sometimes I, I just do the right thing. You know why? Just because it's the right thing. It's not because I love God. It's just because I'm trying to be a decent person. I know this is right. Okay? Sometimes we do the right thing just because we fear the consequences of doing the wrong thing. Whether it be the law or whether it be God. Like, oh, if I do this. I, don't have, I didn't show this story earlier, but I just had a flashback of, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. I know, it, might, it hurts. It hurts so bad. But I used to uh, work in a sound booth at my own church like when I was a teenager. And we had Sunday night church. And we would occasionally be up in the loft by ourselves, me and my buddy, and we would listen to the game. But then I got like convicted over it, except I wasn't really convicted over the sin. I was like, what if God causes them to lose because I'm listening during church? Right? Sometimes, like... <laughs> It's maybe not the right motivation, but there's kind of these built-in things like natural, okay? But what about when it's hard to obey? What about when it's like, we're not talking about the Dallas Cowboys losing, that's just a given. But it's just like, what if, what if it's hard? And what about the times when like, we just don't want to? And what about the times when like, man, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't even know the last time I opened my Bible. And, and God's not speaking to me, and I'm just dry, and I'm, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, what are we supposed to do then? When we don't, we don't feel like loving God, we don't feel the love of God, so we certainly don't want to love the other people around here. Because I think that that's true in all of us from at one time or another. And I think it comes in waves. Like I can point to times in my life where, man, I'm, I'm there. I'm reading my Bible. I'm walking in step. It's like, yes. And then God's like, nope. And I was like, oh, this is so hard. Why am I doing this? What do we do in those moments? I'm going to give you two things as we end here. Two suggestions. What do you do when you're in those hard times or in those seasons of dryness or, or in the desert? Open up. I'll be the first one to tell you this, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. This is not like an American value, and this is not a manly value. Man, open up. Number one, open up to God. Be honest about where you're at. You're not hiding that from God. God knows when, you, when you're feeling bad, when you're not wanting to obey, when you're just lost. God knows that. Don't try to hide that from God. But you know what? You need to open up to some other people. You've got to have someone. You're not expected to do it by yourself. Find someone who can talk to about exactly where you're at 
This is why I think home groups are important. I've got a group of people that I can go to and say, I need, I need help. I don't even want to go to church this week. Or I'm struggling with this. Or I don't know, last time I read my Bible, will you pray for me? Will you pray with me? Will you encourage me? Like, this is what the church is supposed to be. A place where we come and we can confess and we can encourage and we can build up. Because we know we're not doing this right 100% of the time. But when you come in here and you pretend that everything's fine, oh yeah, 100% of the time I'm loving God with all my heart and soul and might. No, you're not. Just be honest. Open about that. It's essential for your growth, but it's also essential for the community as we serve one another. And then last thing before we go, press in. As hard as it might be, don't neglect God. Lean in. Press in. Press into Him. Press into God. Right? Get to know God more. Dive deeper into Scriptures. Spend time in prayer. Not to earn some spiritual brownie points. Not to show people how pious you are. But to know God. Because I believe the more that you will press into God and the more that you will know God, the more you learn about Him, the more you will love God. These two things, open up to God, open up to each other, and press into God, especially in seasons of hurt or dryness. Those two things is what keeps our relationships real here in this church and what keeps us right with God. He doesn't expect perfection. That's why He sent Jesus. But let's let our life be one of love and obedience. Let's commit to knowing God. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we're thankful that we don't have to do it perfectly, that You did send Jesus so that we could pursue You with a clear conscience that our pursuit of you is one of love and gratitude, that we respond to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, be honest about where we're at. I know I go through times where I'm just, I feel disconnected. I don't, something's not right or I don't want to. So, so help us through those. Help, help people here um, open up uh, to somebody. Um, to call the church, to talk with a pastor, to find a home group, to join a class, to be part of a Bible study. There, there are ways to help that you have instituted within your church. So I pray that you would help the people today that, that need that help and encouragement. And I pray that you would help us press into you, that we would know you uh, deeply so that our love uh, might be expressed deeply as well. We pray these things in your name. Amen.